And all of us, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll tell you, this week I was very blessed to know that I saw and I found out that one of the young gals, or the little, one of the young little children from our church, from in-house here at the church, was awarded for selflessness at school. Man, that's amazing. Just imagine if you get an award. You want to clap, please. Can we clap for that? <laughs> First of all, if you guys want to clap, then clap. Don't be scared. I see some people with during service, they're just, they want to clap. They don't know if anyone's going to clap with them. Just clap. You know, praise God. We're at church, you know. Um, so just remember that, um, what was I saying now? Oh, one of the, one of the young gals. <laughs> One of the young little girls was awarded for selflessness. And if there's one word that I want you to remember is that selflessness today. Because we're going to see now that Paul here in this text, in this entire book here, he gets awarded for selflessness. He gets awarded for selflessness. And we see here that Paul is the real deal. Don't you ever, aren't you ever refreshed when you see someone that not only are they preaching something, but they're also practicing what they preach? And it's so refreshing. It's a consistent message. Well, Paul just finished telling us in chapter 8 that we ought to give our specific privileges or liberties for the purpose of loving people and, and allowing them and leading them to Jesus, right? And he uses example of me offered unto idols, right? In that meaning... However, now we see here that he's going to use his personal example now. We shared with you at the end of the message last week that you would fill in the blank. If it is certain thing that is prohibiting or making it hard for my brother to come to Jesus Christ, then I'm willing to give that up so that others know Jesus. Well, now Paul is not only saying, not only am I preaching that, I also want to tell you that I'm also living that. And he does it by explaining a pattern of self-denial. A pattern of self-denial. You know that self-denial is so important in your life, even when you tell someone that you love them? You know what true love is measured by? It is true love, and I want you to know this, it is true love when it costs you something to love. Has it cost you something to love someone recently? Has it cost you something to serve God, to be devoted to the Lord? Because it is true love when it costs you something, when you have to deny yourself. Through these 18 chapter, 18 verses here in chapter 9, we're going to see that Paul has that stamp of a genuine heart that he's wearing. And he's known for his selflessness. Now selflessness means that you're living your life to serve other people. That you think about other people. And Paul was thinking about other people. And I'll tell you this. He feels more now entrusted than he feels entitled. In our community, in our world today, in our culture, everybody wants to have an opinion. Everyone wants to have a voice. Everyone wants their rights. Everyone feels entitled. And you know what Paul's saying? I don't feel entitled. In fact, I feel entrusted with what God has given me. I'm not in this for the benefit. I'm in this for the blessing. And I want you to remember that today. When you serve other people, when you serve and you go out of your way to serve, don't go serving because you're entitled. 
Don't go serving because of a title, because of a position, because of anything else. Serve because God has trusted you with ministry. You're not entitled, you're entrusted. You're not in it for the benefit, you're in it for the blessing. And what does Paul do? He's willing to practice what he preached. And because of this, this is such a refreshing, consistent now message that he's transparent. He opens up his heart. He's not arrogant. He's available. And what he's doing really here, he's making himself accountable and he's saying, I live to serve people. You see, living by the higher law of love is saying, I want to love people so that I can lead people to Christ. You can't lead anyone to Christ until you first have loved them. I want to love them so that I can lead them to Jesus Christ. And here he's going to demonstrate that he really loves people and he's going to lead them to Christ. The most powerful influence that you possess right here is not your title, it's not your experience, it's not anything else in life. The most powerful influence that you have right here as you sit down is your love. What is it? What are you doing with the love that God has given you? Because it is that love that God has given you that allows you to lead others to Him. That's the power of your influence. Loving people, loving them. You see, we Christians should be known by our love. When was the last time you told someone, I love you? When was the last time you actually told them? Maybe there's somebody at home that you need to go home today and say, I want to let you know that I love you. Maybe a spouse. Well, they already know. I do all these things for them, but do you tell them, I love you? I was recently at the bank and I, I saw a, a gal that approached me and, and she was with her husband and she said, you know what, I have been with that man right there, my husband, for 20 years married. And I love him so much. Man, I was so refreshed when I heard it. I was scared what she was going to say after that. <laughs> I've been with him 20 years, and I'm like, ah! And she said, but I love him so much. Man, he doesn't know how much I love him. I love him so much. And then he came closer. He said, I was just telling him about how much I love you. And I'm a complete stranger. (laughs) And she said, I love them so much. I'll tell you, I don't think, I do not think that we say I love you enough. And I want you today to go home. To go to work and tell someone that you love them. Somebody that needs to hear it. Because you know what happens when they hear that you love them? It softens their heart to hear the message. Because they're loved. And when you love them, you can lead them. You see, Paul was willing to give up his immediate rights. He's willing to give up his immediate rights for his eternal responsibilities. I don't want you to think about rights today. I want you to think about responsibilities. I don't want you to think about entitled. I want you to think about entrusted. I don't want you to think about benefits. I want you to think about blessing. Because when you do that, now your life is revolving around the gospel. Your entire life is revolving around the gospel, not the gospel revolving around your entire life. You see, Paul's life, his life was revolving around the gospel. His entire life. And sometimes our life 
is revolved completely, the gospel is revolved completely around our lives. And we make it about self. It's about us. It's not about you. It's about the gospel. It's about evangelism. Today here he's going to tell us. It's not about me. It's about the gospel. It's not a self-serving gospel where I can get something out of this. What's the ultimate goal here? The ultimate goal here is that people get saved. The destination that he's going to take us today, where we're going to land, it's going to be evangelism. Think about evangelism. The purpose is salvation. You see, evangelism is a lifestyle that's lived for God, selfless evangelism, the gospel. What did John here say? John three thirty. John the Baptist said, "I must here. He must increase, and I must decrease. You have to decrease so that he can increase. You selfless love." Selfless love, where you're not thinking about what you're going to get out of it. You're thinking, I want to serve people because ministry is not platform centered. It's not platform centered. I heard it recently told to me. It's people centered. It's not about me on the platform. It's about the people. And you in your life understand this. It's not about you. It's about others and you leading them to Jesus. There's so many things going on in this world today. I mean, you read these sick articles now. Where they're telling and teaching children now in some schools and districts about pedophilia. Where a minor, a child, now historically, there's been relationships of children now having relationships with adults. That is disgusting and horrible. What is the church doing though? We're so busy, distracted in a world where only we exist. You see in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 and and 4... Paul tells the church of Philippi, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Anything that you do, don't do it out of selfishness. Anything that you do, it, don't do it out of you being conceited. But in lowliness of mind, it starts in your mind, let each of others esteem others better than himself. Give them the right of way, yield to them. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Selflessness Starts because of love. Do you have love for people today that you're saying, I'm willing to sacrifice for them? I'm willing to love them to Jesus. I'm willing to tell them that I love them. Here Paul is going to know his rights. He's going to identify his rights, number two. But he's also, he's willing to give up his rights. Are you willing to give up your rights where you're saying, you know what, I don't don't care. Because my calling and the greater purpose of what I do is so that others can know Jesus. Let's read what he says here in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 1. After having told them that they must be willing to give up their privilege for their purpose. Am I not an apostle now referring to himself? And he's going to be an example here of selflessness, of thinking of others, of not doing out of conceit, right? Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I'm not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat, to drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? As do other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit? 
who tends a flock and does not drink the milk of the flock. Do I say these things as mere men? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it ox sin that God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For sakes no doubt. This is written that he who plows should plow in hope. And he who threshes in hope should be partaker of this hope. You see, he starts off here, Paul, from verses 1 through 6. Now identifying his rights, knowing what they are, identifying his calling. And then he's saying, I'm willing to give my calling up. You see, he starts, am I not an apostle? And you maybe are not an apostle. Apostle means one who is sent. And in a sense, we all have the responsibility to go out and preach the gospel. We are sent out in the world. The moment that you leave today, you are sent out in the world. And wherever you go, it's your responsibility. You have been entrusted to take Jesus wherever you go. Did you know that? Wherever you go, you have to take Jesus with you and leave them there. And, and, and that he would, others would know about him there. You see, he knows, am I not an apostle? And I want you to know, what are you? Am I not a mechanic? Am I not a teacher? Am I not a, a mother? Am I not an engineer? Whatever it would be. Am I not this? You see, the reason why he's telling them this, and he's saying that he's free, and he's saying that he's seen Jesus in verse here, one, have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? When did Paul see Jesus? Well, Paul saw Jesus on Acts chapter 9, the road to Damascus. The resurrected Jesus was appeared to him by a light, and he said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting, or why are you resisting me? And he saw the resurrected Jesus, and now Paul was called into the ministry by the resurrected Jesus, and he was commissioned into ministry as well in Acts chapter 9. The reason why he's saying this is because a lot of people in Corinth didn't think Paul was the real deal. They said, well, Paul's not really an apostle. He wasn't one of the original twelve. He wasn't really sent out by the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't see Jesus, and he said, well, let me remind you, I did. I am an apostle. I saw Jesus. I saw him with my own eyes in Acts chapter 9. I am an apostle. Verse 1 he says, even he continues and says this, This, are you not my work in the Lord? Not only did I see Jesus, number one, but number two, you yourselves are the work that I bear. You yourselves are the fruit that I am an apostle. You're an evidence. You're the fruit of the apostle's work. Why was he saying that? Because he took the gospel message to the church in Corinth now, and because the church started to grow and know God's word, they were the fruit of the apostle's work. So he was an apostle. He was doing the work of an apostle, and he had seen Jesus Christ. Verse two. And even if anyone thinks that he know, I'm sorry. Verse two. It says, and even if uh, so, if others think that I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. What are you saying? Even if other people don't think that I have the apostolic credentials. If, I don't, if they don't think that I am an apostle to others. I am to you. Because you're a seal. You're the certification. You're the stamp that I am an apostle. You are the proof of my love. You are the proof of my work in the Lord. You are that stamp, that seal that I am an apostle. Even if others don't think it. What is he reminding us here, Paul? Paul worked very hard for the church to know Jesus Christ. And he says, even if others don't think I am, I am. And your lives and your faith are only a fruit 
that I am doing the work of an apostle. And he says here, my defense to those who examine me is this. Now the word defense and examine are two Roman court words. It means my defense or my apologia, my examination for those that examine me, my defense to those that examine me, those who question my authority is this. And he's going to say this in verse 4 and on. He says, do we not have a right to eat and to drink? Do we have not a right to take along a believing wife as others do other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? He says, well, let me tell you this. He says, don't apostle have also in rights as well? When I talk about giving up your rights, well, don't, I'm an apostle, number one. And don't apostles have rights? In fact, doesn't an apostle have the right to have his food or his meals expensed now by the church? He's saying here that he ought to be supported by the church. And he says, isn't an apostle here, those even Peter and the brothers of Jesus, like James and John, isn't, aren't they the ones that are also being supported, them and their families are receiving that type of support? And he's trying to give them here and painting a picture that he's saying, you know what, I, I and apostles are those that are supported, yes. Those that share meals with the people, those that are living among them, even other apostles do it. He starts to name who they are. Peter, James, and John. And he said, all these apostles are reaping from the benefits of their work in the Lord. And in verse 6, he says this now. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? You know what he's saying here? Paul worked and he built tents along with preaching the gospel. And he's saying, is it only Barnabas and I? Barnabas was his helper. Is it only us two that have no right that we can't quit our jobs? <laughs> That we have to do these two things bivocationally, and everyone else, all the other apostles, and those serving have those benefits, he's saying now. Or aren't these benefits existing in the lives of other people? Because he kept his job so that he would not receive anything from the Corinthian church. And he's saying here, you know, the people thought here, if Paul and Barnabas were real apostles, then we would be supporting them. But since they're not supported, then they're not real apostles. And it made them less credible in their eyes. They're saying, they're not real. They have a, look at them, they work. <laughs> they don't have a, they have a, they have a regular job as well. They, they, if they were real apostles, we would be supporting them. And look what he's saying here. Just because you don't get a paycheck or you don't get paid doesn't mean you're not in full-time ministry. I want you to know that. Just because you have a, another job or whatever it would be and you're serving the Lord bivocationally does not mean you're not in full-time ministry. You have to be mission-minded wherever you go. It's about the gospel of Jesus. And instead of using his rights here, Paul, what is he doing? He starts to relinquish them. He starts to give them up. I could be getting my expenses paid on my meals, he's saying. I could be having a wife and you supporting me and my family. Just like everyone else is doing it. It is not wrong. But verse 7, it says here, Whoever goes to war at his own expense, imagine sending a soldier out to war and saying, you know what, we want you to go in, we want you to get out of there, we want you to win, but guess what? You have to buy your own boots, you have to buy your own gun, your ammo, you buy that too, your uniform, you're on your own, and all your meals, we're not taking care of them. <laughs> that doesn't happen. You see, we support now a soldier who goes out to war. He said, what kind of soldier goes out to war and doesn't get support? And he's going to compare a soldier He's going to compare a farmer and he's going to compare a shepherd and show us how these three traits or roles are receiving the support. And he says, who is this here? Now verse 7, who goes to war at his own expense? Or who plants a vineyard? Now a farmer 
and does not eat of its fruit. You know, who goes out farming and starts to farm and take care of the crop, but then he can't partake of that crop. Nobody does that. If you're going out as a farmer and harvesting and you, you're planting, you're looking at your tree out in the backyard and your avocado tree and you're, oh man, I can't wait till those avocados now come out because I am going to enjoy them. You work hard to take care of that. Now you want to enjoy them. And he's saying here, who plants but cannot reap from that? Or who tends a flock? Which kind of shepherd goes out and tends a flock? But then he can't drink of the milk of the flock. He can't enjoy his labor. He can't get his expenses paid. Or he can't drink now of now the flock or the milk of that sheep that he's caring for and he's watching over. It doesn't happen. Of course you can do these things. Verse 8 now, why is he giving us this example? And he's saying, do I say these things as mere men? Do you think that I'm saying these things just because I am my own opinion? Do you think I'm saying this because I'm making this stuff up? Absolutely not. I'm not saying this because I'm making it up and saying, he's saying this in verse 8. Or does not the law say the same also? Doesn't the, the Moses' law, doesn't God's word say this as well? I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to fish here for now a blessing. I'm not trying to fish here now for some benefits. He's saying God's word says it as well. For it is written in verse 9. What does it say? In the written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? You see in Deuteronomy chapter 25 verse 4. God gave now this law to, through Moses that you shall not muzzle an ox while it's working and treading on the grain. They would put these oxen on these poles, right? And make them walk in circles. And they were stepping and treading on the grain below them. And he's saying, do not put now a muzzle on the ox's mouth so that he, he cannot eat while he's working. Take that muzzle off and give him a right to eat now because he's working now. Don't take advantage or abuse of that oxen. And then he asks the question, is it oxen that God wrote that commandment for? You think God is saying that just for the benefit of that oxen? It would be cruel. It wouldn't be good to be able to do that. To let the oxen work to prepare your food. And now allow them to enjoy now the benefits of that food, he's saying. Or does, verse 10, he say it altogether for our sake. Is he saying it for just the oxen or is he saying it for us as well? Understand, he's building a case right now. So that he can show his selflessness, an example of selflessness after. And look what he's saying here now. For our sake, no doubt it is written. Without a doubt, it's written for me. And without a doubt, it's written for you. It's saying here. Then he who plows should plow in hope. And he who thrashes in hope should be partaker of his hope. When a farmer goes out to work, what does he do? He's out there working in hope. He's out there cutting now the wheat and the tares. And he's sowing on that seed. And he's doing it all in hope. When you go out to work, don't you go out to work and you're getting your hands dirty. And you're tired and you're exhausted. But you're doing with the hope of what? Of knowing that you're going to receive a compensation. That's the hope that you're working for. Now he's saying here, those that plow, they should plow with hope. Those that go out to the field, they should do it with hope. And, that, and they should also be a partaker of that expectation. That means that if you go, a farmer goes out and he plants, he also expects a harvest, and he should have a right to be blessed with that harvest. Because that's the hope that he has, and he has every right to participate in that harvest. Because he worked, he put in the hours, he put in the labor. 
Now verse 11. If we have sown, Paul talking about himself. Here, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? You know what Paul is saying now here as the leader here, the uh, role now of the shepherd that he's doing now here in the church of Corinth. He said, if we sowed spiritually into you, if we invested spiritually into your lives, do not we have that right to also enjoy the physical and material benefits? Is it a big deal since we invested and made a spiritual invested and planted and sowed seasoned you? That's what he's saying. He said, we have that right. In verse 12 it says, if others are partakers, if other apostles are partaking of this, if they're partaking of the benefits that they have because they're working hard and the benefits of, of being supported now by the church, he said, if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? If you're already supporting other people and we're doing the same work as they are, how come we are not supported? And he tries to bring a perspective here. And now this is where it gets refreshing in verse 12. I want you to know this. Because in verse 12 he says, Nevertheless, we could be receiving support. Nevertheless, we could be enjoying now of the benefit. But nevertheless, we could feel entitled. But nevertheless, others are partaking of it. Nevertheless, verse 12, we have not used this right. You see, today, in today's world, everybody wants to use it. Every single right. Every single benefit. Every single privilege. And he's always thinking about his purpose over his privilege. And he's saying, you know, I have not used this right. In fact, he goes on in verse 12, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. You know what he's saying? I, I'd rather put up with all things. I'd rather now endure all things than be an obstacle for the good news. He said, I'd rather put up with this. And endure this and go through this so that I don't become an obstacle or I don't hinder now the ministry and the teaching of the gospel. Now, how could he have been an obstacle if he received that compensation? How could have he been an obstacle? How could he have hindered the work? Well, a lot of people were charging exaggerated fees at this time to preach. And then he's saying, you know what? I don't want to be like them where I'm not coming out to serve because you guys can't compensate me the way I should. He didn't want to put a black eye on the ministry. He didn't want to be a bad testimony to what was taking place. And he was not looking for the benefit because he understood the blessing in serving the Lord. Are you looking for the benefits in everything that we're doing? Are we focused on the blessing that we are entrusted to take the gospel to places that it hadn't been? You know what mattered most, most for Paul was that the gospel was not hindered in any way. He says, if this can be a hindrance for the gospel, then I won't partake of that. I won't even touch that. I won't enjoy of that. I, because I think about the purpose of the gospel instead of the privilege of what I can get from it. And he says, I won't even touch that for the sake of them. You know what he's doing here is denying his own rights for their sake. That's what selflessness means. It means thinking of other people instead of thinking of yourself. It's denying your own rights for their sake. You see, this is important that we read this because now in verse 13, he says something else. He says, do you not know that those who minister of the holy things eat of the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? 
Even so, verse 14, the Lord has commanded, this is from God, that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And what is he saying here? What, what is he trying to have them understand from verses 13 and verses 14? He's saying historically now, even through God's word, now we as apostles, Paul and Barnabas should be getting supported from the church. We should share from the altar's offerings and live by them. We should, this should be our livelihood. This should be the blessing that we get. This is a commandment from the Lord that we should receive the support. But he came to ministry. He came to ministry. He came now to people. Not willing, wanting to receive. He came willing to give. A lot of times we come to church and we're saying, Oh, what does that church have to offer me? No, what about, what do you have to offer that church? What does that ministry have to offer to me? You know, what do they have? That church has more to offer me and my family than this other church has to offer me. And we come with a perspective of what can they give me instead of what can I give them? He's saying, I, he, and here Paul is telling us, I understand that I have all these rights. I understand that as an apostle, I can be... Getting supported from the church. So I don't have to be a tent maker. He's saying. But I refuse to, to touch those privileges. For the purpose of the gospel. Because I don't want to stop it. I don't want to hinder it. And I don't want to slow it down. Have we slowed down the gospel? Because maybe some privileges or benefits that we're reaping out of. And maybe the Lord's saying. Why don't you, are you willing to give up a little bit? So that the ministry can advance? Are you willing to wake up a little bit early? And give up, of maybe sleep so you can come and serve the house of God? Are you willing to give up of, of maybe time to yourself so you can spend time in the Word of God? You see, this was so refreshing, his motive. And it's all about your motive. It's all about your intentions. Are they pure motives and intentions? Because Paul, he's saying, I could be, but I'm not. I could be, but I'm not. When was the last time you had that person? I could be doing that, but I'm not. For the sake of the gospel. I could be going out and doing all these things. But I'm not for the sake of the gospel. I could be working all these overtime hours. But I'm not. Because of the fact that I'd rather serve the Lord. And and the gospel is more important. You see what Paul saw is. What is more important? Is it more important for Paul to get paid? Or is it more important for the gospel to spread. And to reach people that it hasn't reached? Is it more important to make more money? Or is it more important to serve the Lord? Is it more important to sleep or is it more important to spend time with God in prayer? What's more important? What is more important to you? Because if it's important to you, you will be willing to give up anything and sacrifice in order to see that which is important flourish. You see, the things that cost you more are the things that give you the most fruit. And if it's important to you, you're willing to sacrifice for it. Have you ever maybe had a goal to do something, whether it was to, you know, get in shape, whether it was to get that promotion, or finish school, whatever it would be. And you're willing to sacrifice, pull the all-nighter, maybe even go in and extra time at the gym, or, or whatever it would be, extra hours at the office to get that promotion, because it was important to you. And you're willing to sacrifice self, because it was important. You see here, Paul is saying, I'm willing to sacrifice these benefits, because this is more important. Verse 15, let's read what he says. But I have used none of these things. I want you to underline that in your Bible when he's saying, I could be receiving that compensation. I should be getting supported from the offerings of the altar. 
so that I don't have to work. And he said, but I have used none of these things. What things have you not used? And I love what he says now in verse 15, but because he goes on and he makes an explanation. I haven't used these privileges because of the purpose, nor have I written these things so that it should be done so to me. You know what the reader can automatically assume? Oh man, here we go, Paul. Talking about how he's not getting paid. You know what he's saying? Now people are going to start thinking that this is what he's hinting. This is what he's suggesting. No, he's saying, Paul is saying, I'm not getting paid and I don't want to start getting paid. <laughs> I'm not writing these things so that you can think that. So please don't leave today thinking that Paul is trying to get paid here. He's saying, no, that's not why I'm writing these things. In fact, look what he says here. No, I have written these things that I should be done so to me. For it would be better, better for me to die than for anyone should make my boasting void. He said, I'd rather die than you start paying me. You know why? Because he was boasting in the fact. He said, I am so proud in the fact that I can serve the Lord with such a pure motive. And I can preach and serve the Lord without having to be a burden on anyone. And I don't want you to ever take that away from me. I'd rather die than you take that away from me. He's saying that you take away this, this boasting or this opportunity to deny myself. See, in the New Living Translation, it says, yet I've never used these rights. I've never used those rights. And I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without the charge. You know why he wanted to preach like that? You know why he wanted to do it this way? Because it was an opportunity for Paul to deny himself from Paul. And he's saying, if this is an opportunity for me to deny him myself for the sake of the gospel, then I will do it. Because the gospel is more important than me. And I love what in Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, because Jesus is saying this to you and to me. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, if anybody wants to follow me, Jesus is saying this, if anybody wants to follow me, you have the desire, then he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. You know what it means to be a Christian? It means to deny yourself. See, the, the hearts, the Paul of heart now, the heart of Paul, sorry, the heart of Paul here now, is that he was bearing the brand of the cross. And it cost him something to follow Jesus. It cost him something. And we have to ask ourselves, is my Christian testimony costing me anything? Is it, is it costing me anything to love Jesus Christ? What did John 3.16 tell us? For God so loved the world. What did He do? He gave up His Son. He loved you enough to give up, to sacrifice His Son. And maybe today we need extra time in prayer, extra time in God's Word. These practical things that are the marks of authenticity. You know someone's real when they back up what they preach. Oh, I, I love the Lord. He's number one in my life. Is He really? Let's look at your life. Let's find out who's number one. Let's find out what's number one. The Lord, Jesus, He's the Lord of my life. Lord means master. That means that He's mastering your life. Is He really mastering your life? Or is money mastering your life? Is a title mastering your life? Is a position mastering your life? What is most important? It should be the gospel. You see, in Philippians chapter 3, He tells them when talking about humility and, and talking about unity, Paul's here, the same guy tells them, if anybody should have a right to boast about being someone, it should be me, Paul says. Because I have the most credentials. I have the most degrees. I'm studying the most out of all the Jewish uh, now pe believing people. 
He said, but I don't, I don't care about any of those things. He said here, though I might have confidence in the flesh, or I think of myself to be something, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I should be the one that can brag the most, Paul is saying. I have been circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is the law, blameless. But when things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Everything that the world ever gave to me, I counted as a loss for Christ. He's saying, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, from what I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. You know what that word rubbish means? I count all that, all my accolades. I count out all my experience. I count out me, my family growing up. He's saying here in the best Jewish family, the Hebrews of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. I count all of that that I could be bragging about. I count it as rubbish. You know what he's saying? I count it as trash. I count it as trash. He said, I put it aside. I put that aside. Why? Because without Christ, it's really worth nothing. Think about that. You can have everything but Paul's saying, I have it all and I put it aside. I consider it trash because without Christ, it really means nothing. What is first number one in our lives? In verse 16, look what he says now. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. So I'm not boasting on the fact of the gospel itself. I'm not boasting on the fact that I'm an apostle that I'm preaching. That's not what the boasting is. The boasting is, is that I get to deny myself. When was the last time you were proud about denying yourself? Man, thank you, Jesus. Because you've given me an opportunity to deny myself. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, because you've given an opportunity to come to church and deny myself for the gospel. Because it's not about self, it's about the gospel here. And he's saying here, verse 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Why did he tell us this entire verse 15 verses of all his rights historically and how an apostle should be get supported financially? Because he wanted to tell you this in verse 16. I am preaching because God has called me. I'm not preaching because of all the benefits. And woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. You know, that word woe is now a word of anguish. That word woe is a word of despair. And he's saying, I would be miserable. I would be in despair if I wasn't obedient to God about preaching the gospel. This isn't something I chose preaching. This is a calling of God that chose me. This is what Paul is saying. I, I was compelled. I wasn't contracted. You see, a lot of times we look at ourselves as contracted like, I'm doing the church a favor. You know, here serving the Lord, showing up early, I'm doing... No, it's not a career. It's a calling. And when you look at it as a calling, you understand that I'm willing to sacrifice for that calling because it's the gospel that we need. You see, a lot of people sometimes see it as a career. It's not a career. It's a calling. It's a necessity. It's a burden that I can't lay hold of, Paul is saying here. It is that burden, that responsibility that I feel. Do you feel that responsibility for the gospel? Or have you lost the opportunity to show a life of fruitfulness because of the gospel. He's saying, how miserable would I be? It's not optional for me. How miserable would I be if I was disobedient to God? But I'm compelled. I'm not contracted. 
I'm called. This is not a career. A career. You can quit your career. You can't quit your calling. Your calling is given by God and you know absolutely for sure that if I stopped doing this, I would be so unhappy. Because serving the Lord is the best thing that you can possibly do in your life. And he's saying serving God and advancing His kingdom is more important. Think about us. We look to advance self instead of advancing the kingdom. And sometimes we're more ahead of the gospel than the gospel is and where we should take it. Think about how many times we look to promote self, to get promoted instead of promoting the gospel. And Paul is saying, I'll put that aside. I'll move that uh, to, the, to, to now the left. I'll move that to the right so that others can know that it's about the gospel. It's not a career. It's a calling. And he ends here in verse 17 and 18. He says, for if I do this willingly, if I signed up for this, you think I signed up for this and somebody had to beg me, Paul saying, all right, Paul, you know what? The Lord said, Paul, the road to Damascus, Paul, there's a sign-up sheet in the back, Paul. If you feel called, just write your name on that sign-up sheet and your number. And if you want to bring something next week, Paul, that's all you. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Paul said, there's nothing else I can do. <laughs> this is it. I, re- I mean, I can't walk away from this. It's a calling. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't have to go out there. I did it willingly. If I did it willingly, then the church owes me, he's saying. Because I'm doing it for them. Because I did it willingly. Because I'm providing a service for them. That I, should, I would go absolutely deserve something. And I would go trying to collect my payment. Because I, I volunteer. And I, I want to go write my name there. And I volunteered. He said, no, preaching the gospel. I was compelled. It's a thing. It started in the heart. I know I can't walk away from this anymore. I didn't choose it. I'm just being obedient to it. You see, when God calls you, and you know what He's called you to do, it's all about obedience now. It's all about obedience now. I remember just thinking about it, even all over, um, just thinking back three years you know, back, and thinking about what God wanted to do, right? And scared, and the doubts, and the fears. But now when you know what God's called you to do, now He gives you the option to obey or he gives you the option to disobey. What are you going to do? Here Paul said, I, I woe to me. I, I would be now distressed. I would be in anguish if I could not serve the Lord the way I'm serving Him. In verse 17. But if I did it against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. I want you to write this down if you like taking notes. I have been entrusted with a stewardship. Because you have to. You have been entrusted with a stewardship. A stewardship means it's a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Not one person at church. Everyone has this responsibility. What is the responsibility that we have? To take Jesus elsewhere. To take Him to our house. To take Jesus to our neighbors. I have been been entrusted with this stewardship. I have been entrusted with a stewardship. That means that when it's time for our church to evangelize, it's what's entrusted with the stewardship. When it's time to invite people to church, you are responsible. This is what God has given me. What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you being responsible with what the Lord has given you? I am just being responsible, he's saying, with what God has given me. Are you being responsible with what God has given you? When God gives you something, guess what He also asks you from that which He gave you? He's going to ask you what you did with it. I gave you this, what did you do with it? Were you obedient? Were you obedient to the point that you sacrificed and you were selfless and you denied yourself to be obedient to what I called you to do? I mean, you do that for when, it, when it benefits you. 
But what about when it benefits now the Lord? Are you able to serve the Lord with no benefits? <laughs> when you get a new job, what is it that you're looking for first? I mean, you want, you know, I, I, I'm willing to take the job. <laughs> I just want to know about the benefits now. <laughs> and you're willing to know about that. You want to know about the benefits. Because they serve you and your family. They're going to meet your needs. But when you come to the gospel, are you willing to deny any benefits? For the sake of saying, woe is me if I don't preach. If I don't preach, I'm going to be miserable because I'm going to live a life that missed out on opportunities to live a life of fruitfulness. I'm going to be in anguish because I missed out on how God could have used me. We don't want to look back and say, you know, the Lord could have used me had I just sacrificed a little here and I sacrificed there. God could have used me more. But I chose for Him not to use me because I didn't want to deny myself. In verse 18, as we end today, what is he going to say now? He says, well, what is my reward then? What is Paul's reward? That when I preach the gospel, this is his reward. This is the blessing in it. This is the privilege. This is his honorarium for Paul. That I may present the gospel of Christ without any charge. That every time I go in and present the gospel, it may be me denying myself. I've chosen this particularly in his life, Paul said. So that he would deny himself. That I might not abuse my authority in the gospel. Have you abused your authority when it comes to the gospel? You know how you, you abuse your authority? By being unwilling to give up your rights. I'm unwilling for the Lord to use me in this capacity. Lord, use me and promote me, Lord. But then when it comes to the Lord using you there, no, I don't want to be used there, Lord. I wanted the promotion, I just don't want to be used there. <laughs> Lord, I wanted the extra finances, but I don't want you to use them now. I don't want to give them up. Lord, I wanted now that, that, that venture now, but I don't want to use that venture now of faith so that you can use it now. No, how terrible it would be if you didn't obey, Paul is saying. How terrible it would be if you abused the authority that you have in the Lord. How terrible would that be? You see, it's not a self-interest. It's not about pleasure. It's not about honor that you get. But preaching the good news itself was a total honor. And for Paul, you know what he's saying? What he's telling us here? He's saying, Paul is saying, I'm a soul winner. I'm in it to win souls. And everything and anything that God has given you, use it to lead others to Christ. Nevertheless, I don't use these rights. He's saying, I have given these rights up. Because of what in verse 17? Because I've been entrusted with a stewardship. You have been entrusted with a stewardship. What are you doing with that stewardship? In light of everything that's happening around our world today, what are you doing with that stewardship? In light of all the needs that are taking place, what are you doing with that stewardship that God has given you? Because it's not about you. It's about the gospel. It's about people. Please understand that. That we shouldn't live in a life where we're so in love with self that God cannot use us. Because we love self. We love our time. We love our agenda. We love our money. We love our career. And then the Lord's stuff, they, 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 they're put in the back burner. Now here, Paul is showing us an example of denying yourself, of being selfless so that we can promote more of Jesus and less of ourselves. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for your word, Lord. And we ask God right now, Lord, by the power of your spirit, Lord, that you would teach us and show us. Maybe we're living this life that is so temporary for things that don't even matter. 
We're living a life looking for everything that it can offer us instead of what we can offer it, and that's Jesus. We're coming to church wanting to only receive and not give, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would choose not our privilege, but we would choose a purpose, and that's the gospel. Even if it means working less, even if it means giving up sleep, even if it means opening up our schedule, that we would take the example that Paul gave us. And he said, what is more important? What's more important? Yes, this may give me a benefit. Yes, this may be give me a good return. But what is more important? He wasn't living for the accolades of this world, having many privileges that he could benefit from. He chose not to use them for the furtherance of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that in the opportunities that we have, Lord,